Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Here on Big Boogie Radio, part of your SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View. And today's show, which is coming to you on Friday, February 12th, is the first show and only show that I've actually done this week. So a belated congratulations to the Super Bowl champion. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, just a, a few Giants-related things to to talk about today, and uh, a little bit later on, we will be talking to Newsday football columnist Bob Glauber about the uh, the 2020 NFL season, and a little bit about your New York Giants as well. A um, couple of uh, of things to note with your Giants this week. Looks like Giants will be hiring Rob Sale uh, from uh, Louisiana at Lafayette as their offensive line coach. Listen, I don't know anything about Rob Sale, to be honest with you. Hadn't heard of him until uh, until the Giants, until we heard that the Giants were going to hire him to replace Dave DeGuglielmo as offensive line coach. Uh, but, you know, from everything that, that I have been told, everything that I've read, you know, anyone that, that I have asked about Rob Sale is is very impressed with with the man. He's very impressed with the work that he's done at a variety of of stops in college, and everyone that that I've talked to considers him a developer of talent, which is exactly what the Giants, with a young offensive line with Andrew Thomas, Shane Lemieux, uh, still a young player in in. In Nick Gates at center, um, Will Hernandez, another player who's still on his rookie contract, uh, and also the possibility that the Giants will be turning to the upcoming NFL draft for more help on their offensive line. So a, a guy who is uh, or brings a reputation of being a developer of young talent sounds like a, a really good fit to me. Uh, we'll have to see. The Giants have not officially announced that hiring yet. We'll have to see how it works out, obviously, but sounds like a uh, sounds like a good fit to me. And uh, you know, we'll, we'll cross our fingers. We'll hope that that works out. Giants could use some continuity uh, in the offensive line coaching department after going through Mark Colombo and Daigleyelmo a year ago. I don't want to keep turning that over and turning it over. Would be good for that group to have some stability, you know, for a few seasons here going forward. So hopefully the the hire of Sale works out. Also, you know, just wanted to mention that that for me, 
the most amazing thing about the 2020 NFL season is that it happened without real interruption, without any you know COVID-19 related problems, without any scheduling delays, without any any weeks that had to be added to the schedule, without the Super Bowl having to be pushed back. That is largely what we will be talking to uh, to Bob Glauber of Newsday about, and uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Just wanted to remind you guys before we get to that interview, you know, please check out Big Blue View on on all of of our platforms, on our YouTube channel, on our Instagram channel, on our Facebook channel. Follow at Big Blue View on Twitter if you haven't done so already. Please. Join the community at BigBlueView.com so that you can comment and talk to other Giants fans about the the various things going on with the team and share your opinions and your philosophies on how the Giants should should build their roster going forward. All right, let's do this right now. Let's get right to the interview that I did with Bob Glauber as uh, as we look back at the 2020 NFL season. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Giants fans, we're back here on the Valentine's Views podcast, and I'm joined now by NFL columnist Bob Glauber of Newsday, who's been on the show with us before. Bob, thank you very, very much for uh, taking some time to uh, to chat with me today. Glad to be here, Ed. I hope you're okay, and amazingly, we got through the season. Yes, we did. Things are good right now. I, you know, from what I understand, you're shoveling a little bit more snow these days than I am, and and you know, and and good for you. I've I've had enough exercise doing that lately. Yeah, you know, shoveling snow, whatever. I'm 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 always shoveling something, right? (laughs) (laughs) Oh man! Now 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 where do we go from here, Bob? (laughs) Well, I just threw it up. 
All right. So, so hey, you, you actually, uh, on a serious note, you did sort of start where I wanted to start with you here. And just talking about the NFL season in, in general, you know, when we were way back in the summer, when we're watching Giants training camp practices, you know, stuck in the corner of uh, of Quest Diagnostics behind a, behind a, a chain link fence to watch practices with no fans and and all of these protocols were, were brand new and, and and all of those things. I think there's there's no way anybody thought that the NFL could get all the way through the season and get to the Super Bowl on time with no delays, no real interruptions in the season. Are, are you as surprised by all of that as I am? Yes, no question about it. I thought, and this is, you know, just looking at reality and looking at how things went, they were not in a bubble. And there was a lot of criticism about that early on because the NHL and NBA had successfully pulled off their playoffs in a bubble and Everyone was like, well, the NFL has to do this. But, you know, you can't sequester really 4,000 people, including players, coaches, and administrators. You just can't do that for six months at a time. So I am incredibly surprised um, and impressed with how they did it. Now, Ed, we, we had, with the writers organization, we had a part in, a very small part in this, but I got a chance to see up close just how detailed everything was. And if it's that detailed for media access, you can only imagine how detailed it is for players getting into a NFL season, pulling off 256 playoff games, getting through the playoffs, getting to and through the Super Bowl on time. Magnificent accomplishment that a lot of people contributed to. So. Absolutely surprised, but more so impressed by how they did it. I mean, I think I think the I think the worst thing that happened was the Denver Broncos having to play a game without any quarterbacks. And I, but I think the NFL would have signed up for that when when the year started. Yeah, um, that's a fair point. Um, look, Cam Newton, that was the one that really kind of shook everything. That was week I want to say week three, week four when he couldldn't play. And it's like, oh, here we go. Now is a problem. It impacts quarterbacks. And the Broncos thing, yes, and that was a, a bad mistake on the on the part of the quarterbacks themselves. Um, but to get through it and get through the Super Bowl especially, because I knew that going into that week, I asked somebody at the NFL, hey, if someone tests positive um, before the game, God forbid Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady test positive and is in the con- uh, COVID protocol, would they – would, would you would you have the game? Would you postpone it? Would they somehow be able to play? He goes a thousand percent. The game would go on, and those players would not play. Thousand percent, guarantee it. Would not postpone the game. That's the rules of engagement. They had it. it was consistent all year. So to get through it with those two guys behind center, um, playing quarterback in the Super Bowl with no delays. I mean, there were a couple of reschedulings, but. All the games were played, didn't have that 18th week, had the bye week between the Super Bowl and the and the um, conference championships and, and got it done. It, it, really incredible. Absolutely. And, you know, it as a, as a sort of overarching 
thing that, that you take away from all of that has to be that as as divisive as a lot of these protocols are and a lot of the you know, all of the stuff about COVID nineteen's all been politicized and all of that's unfortunate. And and I'll be honest, I mean, as a as a, a citizen away from the NFL, it's like oh the NFL and the NBA and they're using up all this testing and I can't get it and I have to jump through, you know, mega hoops to go get a test if I need one. But you know, bottom line is, I think what the NFL accomplished is proof that that the protocols work if you pay attention to them. Yeah, that's a good point, Ed. And there was a lot of debate about that. I think they, you know, they did um, get their share of PPE and testing and other people in regions of the country who wanted it. You know, some people in some regions of the country don't care and don't like follow anything it's just like they're they're just going as if it's the flu and that's that's it so but i think the nfl as a business showed that you can do it and get through this raging pandemic that got significantly worse as the season went on don't forget in the summer the rates were way down so when training camp starts in early august things are like looking okay after that terrible spring that we had, especially in New York and New Jersey. But as the season went on, it just kept spiking up. And there were these outbreaks after Thanksgiving, after Christmas, around New Year's. And like, how are they going to get through this? But their protocols did work. And when you are careful and when you take steps medically and scientifically to get through it, it worked. And I think the NFL showed the country in a lot of ways, you know, how to get through that. And I know that the CDC worked with the NFL and had some important studies. Um, and, and I think we learned a lot from the NFL example. One thing I learned at early on, you know, you think, remember in, in March and April when they're talking about playing, okay, how are you going to play an NFL season when you got guys across the line from each other breathing and they're, they're outside, they're breathing on each other. Offensive linemen breathing on the air. How are you going to do that? Well, we learned that there, I don't know that there was a single case of transmission among players on the field. And that was a huge discovery because we didn't know. And, you know, they, they just kind of went through their protocols and went through the process and, and they discovered a lot. And that was one of the big things that I don't think a lot of people realized. Uh, certainly I didn't uh, early on, but. That's that was the truth of it. And I think we all have to realize at this point, we've already seen that there won't be a combine. There are going to be some changes that that a lot of the the protocols that, that we saw in 2020, a lot of that's still going to be in place in 2021. And at this point, we all want full stadiums in the fall, but. There's no guarantee that the NFL in 2021 is going to look like it did a couple of years ago either. Is is that a fair statement? Yes, I think it won't look like it did in 2019, but I think it'll look better than it did in 2020 in terms of fans, more fans going to see more teams and more stadiums. Because I think the, the rates presumably and hopefully will be down by then. They've figured out ways to get people into stadiums safely. And I think they will continue to do that. I don't think it ramps up to 
100% in stadiums in 2021. But I think it gets certainly closer to, to what we had. And you won't get those cavernous stadiums as much, if at all, um, in the 2021 season. That is just the weirdest thing is to watch games with with nobody in the stands and and piped in piped in noise. It's just uh, I don't know if you actually attended, you know, all of the Giants games, you know, from the press box. I know I did not this year. I stayed home. But even on television, it's just weird watching those games with with nobody there. Yeah, it was weird. I, I did go to. Most of the home games of the Giants and Jets, I did not travel, um, and it was weird. Um, but you got used to it, and you know you, you know, I don't want to say embraced it, but you know you you accepted it. And from a reporter standpoint, I was particularly proud. You know, we were in press boxes, we were distanced, we masked up, and there wasn't one single transmission of COVID among reporters throughout the league. And I know most people don't think about that or even probably care about that. But, you know, from our perspective, um, I, I care deeply about this business and the people in this business. And to know that we, we were able to do that, you know, is, is a point of pride on our end. Um, but as far as the games themselves, yes, totally weird. Um, players felt it was weird. But on television, I, I'd say that, you know, it came – Football more than most, you know, because you don't have to get the fans in the in the picture like you do at an NBA or an NHL game. It's just they're just not part of the actual picture and you can get away with it. So it, it wasn't too bad. And, and it, you know, it gave people a sense of enjoying something that they might not have had the, had the NFL not been able to pull that off. Bob, the other question you know, going forward, and I know the NFLPA is already pushing for a lot of this. I mean, do you see down the road, you know, more changes to, you know, long-term changes to the way the NFL handles its offseason, you know, meaning, you know, another reduction in how often these guys have to come to facilities during the offseason, you know, for, for OTAs or, or mini camps and you know, offseason work, which I know will drive coaches insane, but but would make players happy. Do you think that that we're probably headed, you know, toward uh, toward another sort of offseason reduction in, in in player workload? I think there's a, a very good possibility of that, Ed. I know that that will be a real source of uh, conversation between the NFLPA and the NFL, because as you saw, you know, there was no offseason. Everything was virtual training camp, no preseason games. Um, very limited practice and, and hitting. And yet they pulled off one of the great seasons ever, record scoring. Uh, the Super Bowl was a dud, but everything else leading up to it was great. Um, and, the, and the players are saying, hey, you know, this was good and we're fresh. You know, why, why do this? And, and add in here, Ed, one important thing. They're eventually going to go to a 17th game, regular season game. So that benefits the players if they don't have to work as hard or, or, or ha- be subjected to as much contact in the offseason. So I think you will see a gradual whittling away of the in-person uh, activities in, in uh, preseason. And, you know, you go way back, Ed, even before, certainly before my time, but in the, in the early days of the NFL, there was no offseason program. 
You know who started that? Joe Gibbs started that in 1982. Mark May was injured in 81. He was a rookie, and he wanted to keep him back. And, and then Joe Gibbs figured out, i got to keep these guys around. Well, before then, it was like you're gone for the entire offseason. You show up in training camp. The preseasons are much longer. They had six-game preseasons. But that's where you got into shape. So it certainly won't be like that. But I think it'll be closer uh, with the reduction in in in-person activities. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. I mean, players would almost make the argument, and, and there might be some truth to it, the way that guys approach their their jobs now, they are year-round jobs, whether they're at the facility or not. Yeah. Some players might make the argument that in terms of individual training and individual preparation, they work harder away from the from the facility than they do when they come in for a couple days of OTAs or something like that. So I, I can see them actually making that argument. Yeah, and and the thing that they will argue as well is that, you know, the off seasons are a lot for install. So you install a lot of what you're doing in the season and you can do that virtually because that's all mental. And it's, you know, instead of being physically present for a walkthrough, you, you do it on zoom. The coaches go through it. They explain it. The people understand it. And they went through a season already of virtual practices like that. So they they're used to it. And I think they would trade for that in a minute. No, well, I think they probably would, too. I know that it would probably drive coaches insane, but I think players would love it. Yeah. Yep. Um, there's no question. All right. So, hey, let's uh, let's spend a couple minutes talking about uh, talking about the New York Giants here. Um, six and ten season. A um, lot of, uh, you know, there's still Giants fans that are, you know, when, when is this going to turn? When is it, you know, when are we going to win games? When are we going to get back to the playoffs? You know, all of all of that. You know, there, there's still a lot of impatience in the fan base. But from Joe Judge, from ownership, from Dave Gettleman, there was a lot of talk at the end of the season that, you know, we feel like we're pointed in the right direction. We feel like we've we've finally begun to turn this corner and and we're going toward where we want to go. Are you on that sort of giants are pointed in the right direction train? Yes, I would say I am on that train. Um, I think that is true. I think there was a significant, hate to use this word, but it's thrown around a lot these days, but the culture shift. Um, but that is important. You know, you really have to have the right, dynamic going on on your football team and you know when Bill Parcells says that about this team and and he did say that we spoke mid-season and he was very impressed with the way Joe Judge was handling things and okay then you realize that's important and Parcells had to do that you know he had that three three twelve and one in 83 and was going to be fired and he turned it around in 84 and there was a, it was a different vibe well, it's a similar deal with Joe Judge, taskmaster, coach, disciplinarian, but certainly a human, uh, a lot of human humanity to him. He understands players, but he also understands that he's got to get maximum effort out of everybody. He did that. Um, they're all on board. They're used to him. He's used to them. So I think there will be that gradual improvement. A lot of it will be predicated on Daniel Jones, you know. I realize it's not just one guy, but if he kind of takes the next step as far as, okay, he's cut down on the turnovers, 
now he's got to make big plays. Give him some weapons to make big plays. Give him a big-time receiver and see what happens. And then hopefully, for their sake, the, the offensive line play improves because, you know, he was often a sitting duck. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I do think it's pointed in the right direction, and I think there is reason for optimism among Giants fans. And, you know, you mentioned Daniel Jones, and, and I think that staying with Daniel Jones in 2021 and – as an extension of that, staying with Jason Garrett, even if you if you change the offense a little bit, if you if you try to incorporate you know more more things like play action and motion and some things that Garrett didn't do a whole lot, I think all of that is the right approach. You still have you know two years ago you invested the number six pick on Daniel Jones. He's shown, in my view, he's shown you enough that you think there's a skill set there. You think there's things to build around. And, and I think that what the Giants need to do this offseason is is upgrade the people around him and give him a fair chance and make a decision after 2021. You, uh, he, It seems to me like like you agree with that as well. Yes, absolutely agree with that. And, you know, it's, it's hard if you pull the plug on a player after two years, especially at quarterback, that's hard to do. Now, the Cardinals did that with Josh Rosen after a year, and that, you know, seems to have been the right decision. You know, you don't throw good money after bad. But, you know, Daniel Jones did show improvement. Um, you, you are locked into him as far as commitment goes, and he does get Saquon Barkley back. That's huge. We see what happens with him and his contract, whether it's this year or next year. Um, and you, you got to give him a chance. And having Barkley back will help Daniel Jones immeasurably. Has to because he's you know he's their best playmaker, um, and add a receiver maybe in the draft maybe in free agency maybe in both, and I think you know, you're looking at a, a different different dynamic going into the season, but a more positive one certainly. I, I think so as well. Right, Bob, last question for you, and, and I ask everybody this question. Everybody that I talk to that's got some vested interest in the Giants, you, you've got free agency coming up. The, obviously, the salary cap's going down from 198.2 to somewhere around 180 million. We don't know exactly what yet, but it's going down, and it's never done that before. The Giants have two key free agents who basically play the same position: Leonard Williams, Dalvin Tomlinson. Best guess is they can probably only sign one of those, especially if they want to go out and get a wide receiver or get another cornerback or, or get an edge rusher or something like that. If it's you, if it's your money, if you're Dave Gettleman and Kevin Abrams and you're trying to figure out how to budget this money, you can only sign one of the two. Are you taking Dalvin Tomlinson or are you taking Leonard Williams? I'm taking Leo. Leo Williams. And I don't know that that one is close um, because you are signing talent. Uh, I think Williams is a more talented player. Uh, I think Dalvin Tomlinson is very, very solid. But, you know, Williams can be special. And I don't know that I ever imagined myself saying that, having covered him uh, for his four years with the Jets. It was just one disappointing season after another. And it, you know, was it just didn't work out. Maybe it was even five years, but it was always the same story with Leonard Williams. You know, optimistic in preseason. This is going to be my year. Uh, 
doesn't do it. Same thing. It was like Groundhog Day in training camp. With <laughs> right? Same thing. It was unbelievable. I, yep. I'm tired of writing this. But this was a breakout season. This was important. This showed talent came out because he got coaching that really benefited him. And so if you're going to have choices, and this is a league of choices, um, I, I would take Leonard Williams on that one. Absolutely. I agree with you on that one, Bob. Thank you very, very much for, for spending a few minutes. Just uh, remind folks where they can find you on uh, on Twitter if they want to check out your work. Sure. It's uh, just at Bob Glauber, B-O-B-G-L-A-U-B-E-R. And of course, Newsday.com. All right, Bob. Thank you very, very much for uh, for spending some time and uh, and we'll talk to you again. Thank you, my man. Be in touch. Thanks for having me. Bye bye. Giants fans, that's our show for today. Our thanks again to Bob Glauber of Newsday for spending some time with us. Please remember to subscribe to Big Blue View Radio on all of your favorite podcast applications. Check out the shows by Chris Flum and Joe DeLeon and by Nick Filato as well. All right, take care of each other, Giants fans, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye now.